millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. On this episode, we are so excited to welcome Captain Sandy Yawn to the show. Captain Sandy is a super yacht captain with over 30 years of international maritime experience. Captain Sandy is perhaps best known as the star of the hit reality series, Below Deck Mediterranean. And she's the author of a great new book called Be the Calm or Be the Storm, Leadership Lessons from a Woman at the Helm. Captain Sandy, thank you so very much for joining us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. And after hearing you read what you just read, I'm like, I think I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I was I was going to ask you about that because you point out in the book that you were a high school dropout and addict who cycled in and out of jail and rehab. So how did you go from that life to being a captain of super yachts? Uh, oh, my goodness. It was a a big hit over the head going either wake up, change your life or continue down this path of destruction and probably end your life very quickly through the choices I made uh, by drinking and driving and other things like that. So I got sober and uh, not by choice. I was court ordered, uh, which I was court ordered to many things. Uh, so this time, Unlike all the other times, something stuck. And I went to a halfway house in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I continued to stay in the program and got a sponsor. And now I just live it on a, on a daily basis because I know it's like having diabetes without the medication. I'm never going to, I will never be the same, right? So the meetings uh, and the work is the medication for me. Meditation is the medication. <laughs> <laughs> One of the lessons that you learned provided some of the best advice that I'd ever heard. I loved reading this in the book. Even though you know where you're going, you need to go the other way to get there at the right time. And I think that so explains what, what you just said and kind of the, the, the mantra of your, of your life. How has that been the case in, in terms of times in your life when you felt like you were going on the right path, but for whatever reason, the timing wasn't quite right. Oh my gosh. So many times. And I love that part in the book because I had no idea that my first officer got that takeaway from it. It's interesting because so many times you can impact people's life through your actions and have no idea the lessons that they learned from watching you do your job. In the simple things in life, you can impact people. And I impacted his life. And yes, I when he asked me, oh my gosh, that was the trickiest docking I've ever seen. And I said, basically, I was going the opposite direction because I was being blown towards the dock. And so many times in life, and you know, you have to resist in order to get where you need to go. And sometimes you don't resist. And it's it's that 
knowing inside from doing the work, that self-leadership, that you know, it's like inherently you know which way you should go. Should you go against it to get there or should you go with it? And that's a decision I make every time I pull a boat into a harbor. I look at the wind direction, the current flow, and the turning basin and my escape. And if that's what I look at every time I approach a, a marina or, or I'm leaving a marina. And that's worked for me thus far. And the first chapter of your book is called Know Your True North. So how do we, how do we know that? What does it take to, to kind of dig deep into, in, into ourselves and, and find that true north? Well, you know, you ladies do the same work. So it's really interesting. We all know it's that self-care, right? And that checking your ego at the door, doing that work before I step out of my cabin to lead a team. I have to make sure that I'm mentally, spiritually, and physically whole. If one of those things are not, for me, whole, and I walk outside, I'm not going to deal with that situation so well. When I know that I'm in good fit mental condition, that I'm able to be to lead people with that fitness, just like your muscles. In order to have that toned body, you have to work out. It's the same thing mentally. Um, and that's what I do. I make sure that I'm mentally whole, physically. I take care of my body and spiritually because for me, I have that connection. And that's threefold. And I know if those are in check, I'm, in, I'm good to lead. I'm good to walk out of my cabin and face the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about that, that fitness because you were exer exercising extremely hard and building great mental strength when the unthinkable happened to you. And that was a heart attack when you were young, which I hadn't really heard about affecting young women. So what advice would you have to someone who's listening right now who, like you, were thinking that they're doing all the right things, they're young, and that a heart attack shouldn't be on their radar? It's crazy, right? So when you're physically fit, and you have a heart attack, you're like, what did I do wrong? Well, what I did wrong was not check my blood pressure. I had unchecked high blood pressure that I had no idea I had high blood pressure. And every time I went to the doctor and they would take, which was rare because I didn't frequent the doctor just for the physical, they would always ask me if I had hypertension. I had no idea what that meant. I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't know what hypertension meant. And I'm like, nah, nah, no, I don't have hypertension. No one ever told me I had hypertension and that's high blood pressure. And they said, oh, it must be because you're at the doctor. So I had no clue what that word meant. So I think educating yourself uh, and then knowing your numbers, which after my heart attack, I had that crash course. I had what's called SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection, which is rare. It's a tear in a wall of an artery. I don't have high cholesterol. I, my veins are clean. They did that 3D imaging scan of my heart and veins. And they're like a 30 year old. They're, you know, they're really clean. And I just had high blood pressure and I was doing extreme exercising, which hence the heart attack. You know, you are such a leader on the, on the show. And I'm wondering how you develop those 
leadership skills, because especially being a female as a captain, you're kind of a rarity. And, and so how did you develop those skills? Honestly, I got clean. That's for me. I can't speak for other people. There are other leaders in this world that took courses. I never took any courses. The courses I took are the 12 steps and I worked on myself. So I think if you treat people, and this is how I lead, I talk to people how I would, would want someone to talk to me. It's that golden rule. Do unto others as you would want done to you. And I work these steps and I think, okay, am I being selfish? Uh, you know, am I being rude? I ask myself these questions. So I make sure that when I address someone that I know that I'm in check. First, I check myself. What is my motive? What is the outcome? What am I, you know, hoping to get out of this conversation? And I treat people with humanity, like a human being. And that always works for me. I don't, and yes, I get angry. And yes, I've lost my temper, but I've promptly admitted when I've done that because the people you're leading also need to know that you're a human being and you have compassion. And I always look at it like this. I'm a coach. I have a team. I want to win. So what do we do in order to win? We rally our team. And I, I get to know each individual by sitting down in that crew mess and having a lunch with them or a dinner with them. And I just ask questions. It's all about them. I want to ask, do you have siblings? Did you, you know, like how, you know, did you grow up? Did you, you know, I mean, grow up. Did you go to college? Like, how, where did you grow up? Like those questions really mean something because that person feels like, wow, this person actually wants to get to know me and I'm not just some human being to do a job, right? Just get out there and work. I don't want to know you. I want to know them because also I want to know who's going to be responsible to save my life. Because remember, we're at sea. Right. We're so that at a dog. That yeah. mutual mentorship approach has really worked well for you. I, I loved reading about that in the book and would love to know what you do that's different than a lot of mentors who just think they're the ones who are providing the service for the mentee. What do I do? You know, I guess that's for the fans because I really don't know what I do differently. I just do what I do and it seems to work. I've come, my approach is one of a human being, not of a captain. You know, like I always say this when the crew, when I meet my crew for the first time, I say, I respect you. I trust you. It's automatic. I know I have to earn their trust and respect as a person. They have to respect the position and they are very much aware of that. By the end of the charter season, probably into charter three, they see my actions, that I know my job, that I have their back that I will do whatever it takes to support them in their roles. I give them the equipment they need and the time they need to do their job. And when they see that from their leaders, they're not going to want to disappoint you. It's not about, oh my God, I have to do this job. It's I want to do this because I don't want to disappoint Sandy. I become a human to them. I'm no longer just the captain and they don't want to disappoint me. Now, if they're insubordinate or something like that, I address that. But that's rare because of the way I approach my leadership style with my team. And you point out in the book that the one thing you never do is to show you're scared. How do you prevent that? How do you prevent that fear from taking over when you are in a frightening situation? 
Honestly, I always think about them and how it's going to impact the team because I need the team to get, get through whatever it is that's scaring me. I smile. I was born with a smile. I turn it into humor. Then the worst case scenarios, like I just make it a joke. I keep the mood light as I'm focused, which in really just relaxes them so they can do their job. And I remember once I was navigating and everything was falling apart. And it was so rough that every crew member came out of their cabins and stood on the bridge because they were afraid. And they didn't want to be below deck. It was so scary. The waves, the, you know, we were being knocked. We were just like a cork floating in the water. That, that ocean can be very violent. And I remember looking at them smiling and going, well, I'm so happy you all want to be around me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other miss thing. me, you know, and I made a joke. And then I just said, let's find a place to anchor. And everybody went to the chart and they were like, I go, options, let's make this real navigation. I made it like a challenge. Whoever finds the best anchorage for protection, you know, gets to sleep the entire day tomorrow. And they, they all, uh, it was fun. You know, although I was like going, please let the welds hold together. Please let the yeah. engine stay in the bed, you know, um, yeah. but they never knew that. But the other thing too, is that I've always found in different situations that if I'm in a frightening situation, fear doesn't really help. It, it, it's actually your enemy to, to feel fear. I think, I think. I agree. And, yeah, I, I, yeah. Absolutely. You, you can be afraid. Like I have closed my eyes. I remember once I was in a wind that was over a hundred knots and, I had a person on the bow, a tender on the back, and I closed my eyes for a few seconds, said, God, please. And I'll never forget because I had passengers on board and it was, I couldn't see. It was blinding rain and the wind was over 100 knots. And at that moment, the chief stew was standing to my right. Right after I said that, she put her hands on my shoulder and she said, You're doing a great job. She didn't know I said that prayer internally. She had no idea that I closed my eyes for that second. We're just trying to keep eyes on this kid so I don't run him over. And it was just what I needed. And you know what I took from that? Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it. Sometimes you just have to stay in it to win it. And that's what I did. And we, the storm passed. No one got hurt. I didn't, you know, run the kid over. I had the tender. And I'm telling you, it was a blinding rain. It was that sheets of rain where I couldn't see the bow of the boat. It was crazy, but it, it was that moment that she put her hand on my shoulder and said, you're doing a great job because remember we're at sea. I'm not leading a corporation. I'm leading a corporation. Uh, I'm, you know, at sea, which is very different with lives on the line. And, uh, and a lot of people step on board and they have no idea. They have no idea what could happen. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for somebody who maybe they're, maybe they're not on a yacht, maybe they're facing some sort of situation that they're afraid of, whether it be in their career or, or just in their regular life that, that they're afraid of something and they can't really think clearly, but they don't have somebody to tell them, Hey, it's all going to be okay. Or we can work this out as a team. Honestly, I think a work worst case scenario, what is the worst case scenario? If you take that action, if you can live with that, then take the action. If you can't, then redirect. And that's what I do every time. If I decide to choose a course, I think this is the worst case scenario. This is what happens. And I'm willing to take that risk. And I think in a corporation, it's the same way. I 
they have two directions to go or, or maybe they have three. I don't know, especially when it comes to finances. Finances are huge on boats, right? We're responsible with big budgets and people care about where you spend their money. And I always think I'm going to implement this. It's going to cost this. And I'm choosing this direction because my worst case scenarios are far greater going to the right than to the left. And that's how I choose. That's what I recommend. You know, I find it fascinating that you are not above doing chores on, on the yacht, whatever it is that needs to be done, whether you're, you're helping to clean up the galley, whatever it might be. What message are you trying to send your crew members by doing that? And why do you, why do you do those things? Cause we're a team and I'm leading that team. And I want each team member to see how, how wonderful it feels to have someone come in and help you, even though it's not their job title or role. It's like, no, I don't have to, but I want to. And I want to instill that want to desire for the team to have each other's back like that. That's why I do it. I do it because I want to, not because I have to. I don't want to see my team in the weeds. I want to help them out of the weeds so we can provide that level of service at the end of the day. It's that's having each other's back. And if they see that I have their back, they're going to have my back and they're going to have each other's back. How many times have you gone out and did team building? I had an owner where I would put in the budget, extra money, a lot of money. He goes, what's this for? I go, team building. I want to take them whitewater rafting. I want us to rely on each other. That team building where you have to rely on each other to stay upright or to not tip over. And when you build that culture, then you have that mutual respect and they want it to save each other. And so to speak, you know, it's like, we're going to win it. And I always lead like that because it's such a champion feeling at the end. I want them to feel like at the end of that charter season or even a corporate world that they, they got that deal done. It may not be at the level of the price where they want it. Cause I always say to my crew, your tip, don't take each tip that reflects on your service. I am the decider of how well you're doing, not the client, right? I know, because we can't please everybody. Just please the person in charge of you and do your best to please the client. And I tell them, measure your money at the end of the year. And for the corporate world, they can't land the biggest deal all the time. It's the accumulative of all the deals at the end of the year. And that's it. But treat each deal and each client like, you're going to kill it and we're going to win it like a champion. And I, I champion my people because, well, it's the only way I've ever learned how to lead people was to be able to have their backs. And that's such a great payoff. Honestly, your return on your investment is your team. That's your return. And you're leading these teams who just by the nature of people don't all get along, but it seems like you're able to, to really help people find common ground. I'm wondering how you're able to do that and how we can all use that in our own lives, whether it's feeling like we can find common ground with somebody who's a family member who we have to see at, at family gatherings or, or a coworker, just anybody that we need to get along with. And we, we don't really want to get along with them. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and you just got to show up. I think sometimes you don't need to be heard. You know, 
your opinion, just keep it to yourself. Uh, and I learned this in recovery. Just mind your own backyard. Don't tend to someone else's. And I think when you do that, and it isn't like you need to have, oh, this is my point of view and drive it in. Just be easy. You know, be Switzerland. <laughs> I choose that. You know, um, <laughs> yes. Yes. And honestly, I think what we learn is be that role model of, because you may be the only role model someone ever sees. And that's through your actions, not what you say, but your actions that really define you and your character. And the action sometimes is just not talking or giving your opinion and just being helpful and kind in that situation, especially when it comes to families. What would you advise a high school student or a college student who thinks they'd like to embark on a career working on a super yacht as a crew member or a chef or, or even captain, maybe what would you tell them to do to embark on that journey? You know, it's interesting. I'm actually trying to get a high school uh, program funded to get it into high schools across the country, public schools for kids who can't afford high, you know, uh, college or parents who can't afford to pay for college or just not college bound for kids that want to get in this industry. It's a hard work. Although what you see on TV, it looks fun. It is not about the party. It is about the work and you will not be partying all the time. You will, every minute you get, you'll want to sleep, you know, because you're like, I am not going out. The show is very different uh, in that they do not go out to eat every night after a charter. They do go to clubs and bars, of course, but just, know that it's hard work. Call your uh, local maritime school. I would Google yacht maritime schools because a maritime academy, you need to graduate high school. Uh, a yachting maritime school, you don't need that, nor a GED. You could go straight into a maritime academy, but you have to be, um, I think, you have to look at the age. Make sure you look at the age for that. And then just sign up because the first class, I think costs about $900. And you have to pass a physical and you can't be colorblind to work on a boat, but you can work in the industry and be colorblind. So I don't want to take that away from you. But the Coast Guard has standards and you have to be drug free. You can't be smoking pot or eating edibles. They do a urine test and you can't, you know, if you're if a kid out there wants this work, uh, this to have to work in the maritime industry, it's there for you and they want you because we need people. And it's an incredible job. It's lucrative. You learn different languages. You're, you're surrounded by different cultures. You go to the best parties on the planet. <laughs> you're, you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with the billionaires and you get to ask those questions. How did they get there? And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Sandy, as you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me. So at the end of each show, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you about being the happy and fulfilled person you you are that you learned from yachting and from leading a crew that you wish you'd known before that first voyage and you'd like to pass on to our audience? Nobody told me that I could be a yacht captain. No one. It was something that I got to witness with my eyes. And I had a woman who had no idea how she impacted my life. And her name is Vicki. And she drove a massive yacht out of the Monaco Harbor. And I remember watching her thinking, and it was Paul Allen's boat called Medusa. I can be like her. 
Nobody told me I could. And she showed me I could. What do you hope your readers take away from this book? Honestly, to learn the art of self-leadership. I think, yes, there's a lot of takeaways in this book, but that it starts with that. So to be able to lead yourself first, coming out to lead a team, I hope they learn that. I'm sure every person that reads it is going to have a different takeaway, and I'm curious to what that is. Well, we really loved it. I think it's applicable to really any aspect of, of anybody's life, whatever yeah. they, whatever field they want to go into. And I think you make everything just really positive and approachable. So, so I think everybody's going to enjoy it and we would love to know where people can get the book and how they can connect with you. So Amazon, I, it depends on where you live in the world. Um, on my website, it has all the links, uh, captainsandion.com, but anywhere you can buy that book, you just type in, um, Captain Sandy's book and it'll come up. Great, great. Well, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Thank you so much for joining us, Captain. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it because I love your podcast. And after oh, thank, I thank yes, you learned so about much. it, I was like, wow, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Honestly. We, we feel the same about you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank Again, you for our, having me. Our thanks to Captain Sandy Yawn, whose book is called Be the Calm or Be the Storm leadership lessons from a woman at the helm. And again, her website is captainsandyyawn.com. She's also the co-host of the podcast, The Captain Sandy and Leah Ray Show. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 